Columbia, I've seen your mountains high, seen your pretty rainbows and your blue crystal skies, watched your winding rivers as they flow around the bend, to me you're not a stranger, you'll always be a friend. Coming to you from the West Coast, this is Politicoast, the BC Politics Podcast. This is episode 94. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you found us. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, where we're at Politicoast Pod, and support the show at patreon.com slash politicoast. I'm Scott Blainboom. And I'm Ian Bushfield. As I mentioned last week, I'm still on vacation, and we have another pre-recorded interview for you. Today, we're diving into the dual-member proportional system with Sean Graham, the inventor of it. So this should be a great interview. First, though, we have to thank our premier sponsors, Lindsay Teds and Blake Hodson, for helping make the show possible. Politicoast is in partnership with BC Today, British Columbia's daily newsletter dedicated exclusively to BC politics. Sign up for a free trial to have unique coverage of the BC legislature delivered to your inbox every morning. Listeners to Politicoast, enter the offer code CITIZEN for access to a special rate for our listeners. For your free two-week trial of the newsletter, go to BritishColumbiaToday.ca. Sean Graham, welcome to Politicoast. Maybe you could introduce yourself and talk a little bit about why you felt the need to invent an electoral system. I'll, I'll preface, I'm still not feeling that well. So if I sound odd, I, I apologize, but I'll try to uh, I'll try to not sound too abnormal. I, I don't completely have my voice back yet. I took interest in uh, electoral systems. I have been a supporter of changing uh, the electoral system in Canada for quite some time but had noticed in the in the past debates in Canada that things hadn't gone as, as well as some had hoped, I think partly because of the systems that were put forward to Canadians. Both systems, whether it's MMP or STV, uh, that have been discussed in Canada, uh, received significant complaints, uh, either because people didn't like having a second tier of representatives or because people were skeptical of increasing the district magnitude to a significant extent under systems like STV. Now, I have a background in, in uh, both mathematics and political science, so I, I decided at, at a certain point in my academic career uh, to take a closer look at this problem and see if, if something better could be developed that addressed the problems of uh, first-past-the-post, but also did a better job of retaining what Canadians value about the current first-past-the-post system. And the system you came up with is called dual member proportional. Can you walk our listeners through what the system is and how it works? Sure. So the, the basic idea is that each district, save for a few large rural districts in, in northern BC, uh, would be amalgamated to create two member districts. And the first seat in each district would be elected uh, the same as now. Uh, the, the first place candidate would, would be uh, chosen to represent one of the seats in the district. The second seat in each district would be chosen based on the provincial popular vote, uh, but also based on the support the candidate received locally. And, and the process at, at that stage of the system is designed to create a portion result across the entire province. Now, in terms of the voting interface, that would be very similar to now. People would cast a single vote for a single party, but that party may run either one or two candidates. If the party chooses to run two candidates, those candidates would be listed in a ranked order so that voters would know the order in which those candidates would be elected. So each riding basically gets two representatives. So if I'm in here in Vancouver, 
Point Grey and Vancouver Kilchenna next door would get merged. The first person to get elected is just whoever gets the most votes in that riding. And we kind of just top up the other one. Yes, that's the basic idea. And the, the top up process is, is done by ranking the candidates across the entire province. So the better a candidate does locally and also within their party, the more likely that candidate is to be chosen as a su- successful top-up candidate. Uh, so you mentioned that the northern ridings would not be merged into two ridings? Yes, that's right. So the Attorney General's report accepted one of my recommendations to, to, to accommodate large rural communities in northern BC. Uh, and that recommendation was uh, that some of those districts could be left as single member districts, so basically leave them as they are now, while still allowing those voters to see uh, most of the benefits of going to proportional representation. Uh, and in the, in the case of DMP, that would mean that those votes would count at the provincial level uh, and therefore contribute to the overall makeup of the legislature, even though they don't have that second candidate to elect locally. Maybe talk a bit about the role of independence in this system, because I noticed on your website, you talk about how independents can still be elected as the first place, or, you know, if some party just runs one candidate in one riding across the province. But what about the fact that if someone then votes for that independent, if their, you know, independent candidate doesn't get elected, it kind of feels like their vote gets lost, whereas someone who's voting for an NDP pair, their vote might end up helping someone else elsewhere. So that's the basic general idea, though, just to, to be clear, the electability of independence has nothing to do with whether parties run one candidate or, or two candidates. Both seats are always up for grabs for independence. If an independent candidate places first, obviously, just like the parties, that candidate gets elected. Uh, the exception is made for independence that place second in a district. If that happens, then the independent takes the seat. Now, you're correct, though, in pointing out that if someone votes for an independent candidate, that vote is not going to contribute to the election outcome if the independent is not elected. And that's because by voting for an independent, someone is choosing, at least under DMP, to not participate in the the proportional component of the system. Systems like DMP and MMP assign seats on a proportional basis based on party affiliation. So as soon as you start voting for people without party affiliations, that excludes those votes from the the proportional elements of the system. So basically the system diverts back to first past the post in in that circumstance. But I've recommended, and and the EG has accepted the recommendation to allow independents to to win every single seat, uh, because I do think people should be able to reject the party system entirely, if, if that's their preference. Uh, well, speaking of the party system, some of the issues that have surrounded other proposed systems is that parties get an increased role within that system compared to our current one. Uh, does that happen under DMP? And could you expand on the role of parties in the system? Because of how similar DMP is at the local level to first past the post, uh, I would argue that the role of parties would not change a significant, in a significant way. Of course, parties could nominate up to two candidates, but having two candidates nominated locally is not really that different from nominating one. Uh, We're not talking about the the larger party lists that are required for systems like MMP 
for instance. So I think the role of parties would still be important in that they will aggregate interests, they will come up with election platforms uh, to represent broad coalitions of voters, but the role of parties under DMP will not change significantly in terms of nominating specific candidates. Of course, parties will have to adopt a process to choose two in most cases instead of one, but that, that's fairly straightforward to accomplish. One of the things that comes up is, a, and you mentioned it there, is a party could nominate just one person in a district. Why would they do that under your system? So if a party knows that it, it's not going to win the first seat, so if it knows it's not going to place first in a district, there really is no necessity for the party to run both seats. Because if you don't win the first seat, it's impossible to win both seats, obviously. So they could choose to nominate one candidate and put all of their resources to promoting that individual uh, rather than putting in, if, if they're, especially if a smaller party uh, is putting an effort in nominating a full slate of 86 or 88 candidates, whatever, whatever the final number ends up uh, being in BC, they may want to focus on nominating a smaller number of higher quality candidates than nominating two candidates in every district, knowing that that second candidate is never going to have a chance of being elected. Now, of course, the larger parties, I suspect, uh, even in cases where they only need to nominate one, uh, will probably choose to nominate two just to show that they are a bigger party and they do have uh, enough depth that they can nominate two candidates in every district. Right. It's kind of a we're a serious party threshold in that we're filling out our every ballot we can. Yes. The important thing to, to fill out, though, is to make sure you at least have one candidate. As long as that one candidate is there, those votes cast, for, for, well, first of all, you're allowing people to vote for your party in that district, and that's what's going to allow them to count at the provincial level. So one of the things that I think could happen, and you can correct me if I'm just completely wrong on this, but with the way the system works, there could be a chance that the second member who's elected in a riding might be the person who placed third in that constituency? Yes, that, that's necessarily going to be the case in, in, some, in some districts. And do you think that raises questions that the local voters in that constituency might feel they got the wrong democratic result if first place was liberal, second place was NDP, but a green gets in, for example? No. Uh, I mean, the, the fundamental point of any PR system uh, is to take into account the votes of a broader region. In the case of DMP, it's taking into account the votes of the entire province in order to create an outcome that mirrors the provincial vote totals for each of the parties. Of course, we know that first past this post causes distortions uh, because we use only local results to determine a provincial election. In order to correct that, uh, sometimes you have to, to weigh other factors than just the local result. So if a party like the Liberals, let's say, come in second in a district, but they've already filled their, their seat allotment uh, on the provincial level, they no longer have the provincial legitimacy to elect the local candidate at the local level, even though they may have placed second. Uh, so a third place candidate, maybe it's the Green candidate, comes third there, and that's a strong performance for that party. Uh, they may be elected in order to fulfill their, their provincial seat allotment. So that there, there's two things being balanced at the same time. There's the local accountability, but there's also the provincial accountability. And in general, the parties 
do elect the candidates that were their top performers. So even though a district may have a third place candidate elected, uh, that may be one of the top performers for the party that's being elected there. And of course, in order for that candidate to be reelected, they're going to require a, a significant amount of, of local support in the next election. If, if a district continually uh, decides to give a, a small amount of support to, to a local candidate there, it's unlikely that that candidate's going to be re-elected uh, in the next election. So the top-up, so in how you've been talking about it, so all done at the provincial level, yet I know some of the other systems have discussed the idea of going with a regional top-up. For some reason, you've chosen provincial. What's the rationale for that as opposed to, say, a regional top-up? So from, from my understanding of the AG's report, each of the systems has been given a specific recommendation in terms of at what level it will be applied. The DMP recommendation mirrored mine, which is that it will be applied at the provincial level, uh, whereas MMP and RUPR uh, will both be applied at, at the regional level. Now, the benefit of going to a larger region is that you accomplish the goals of force representation to a higher degree. The idea of force representation is that you're aggregating larger groups of votes and you have a larger group of seats to work with in order to represent those those votes uh, on a proportional basis. If you have smaller regions, uh, you're, you're less able to do that. You basically end up introducing more round-off error. Uh, there's more round-off error if you only have 10 seats than if you have 87 or, or 88 or whatever the number uh, will be at the provincial level. Uh, so the, the bigger you can go, uh, the, the more inclusive the system is, the better you can include rural voters, for instance, in northern in northern BC to ensure that their vote counts. Uh, and, the, and the more fair you are to all voters and that, uh, the more equal you make you make the votes across the province. So as, as much as possible, at least what, in terms of my thinking on this issue, uh, it is better to go with, with bigger regions than smaller. Well, say the system comes to pass the referendum happens and BC chooses DMP, we have a couple elections and at some point one of the first or second choice candidates in a specific constituency dies or retires, as happens pretty frequently. What happens then? How do voters fill that vacant seat in the legislature? So for that that sort of process, things are kept quite simple. Uh, it, It basically just defaults back to a first past the post election. I mean, presumably there would only be one uh, one seat vacant in a district at a time. That seat would would just be uh, re- someone would be chosen to fill that seat based on first past the post. Could you walk us through what would have happened in the 2017 election if DMP was in place? Sure. Uh, so I mean, basically, each of the parties would have received within plus or minus a percentage point uh, the same fraction of seats as they did the popular vote. So the Greens could have expected about 17 percent of the seats, the Liberals about 40%, and the NDP about 40% as well. So that, that's the general kind of proportionate outcome. Uh, that's roughly true uh, for each of the three systems on the ballot. Now, some of the other interesting things that happen with with EMP are that, at least in the, the simulation that, that I've done and things may work out slightly differently had the election been, been held under DMP. Uh, but at least taking the raw results from the last election and running the simulation showed that almost 90% of the districts represented by 
had two different parties. So that means that if, if the first seat in the district goes to the NDP candidate, and in most cases, the second seat is not going to go to an NDP candidate, it's going to go to a Liberal or a Green, uh, Green candidate. So that would give much better diversity of representation across the province. And when you look at that on an aggregate scale, uh, what you would, what you find is that the, the Liberals, for instance, would be represented in almost 80% of the districts, which is almost twice the percentage of the seats that they would win. And the NDP, roughly the same again, almost 80%, and the Greens would be at almost 30% of, of the province. So you end up with this situation where, regardless of, of who forms government, whether it's the Liberals and the Greens or the, the Greens and the NDP, uh, you'd have a situation where over 80% of the, the province uh, would have a government representative. Um, so, so I think those sorts of results would Th those sorts of results of the simulation are, are quite interesting that it, it shows there's a much there's a huge opportunity to, to better represent the province in government and and opposition without making a significant change to the actual structure of the system. Do we know how many of the current MLAs wouldn't have gotten elected? I, I know this is a little hard because you don't necessarily know where they'd rank, but do you have a rough idea? Yeah, so so, so to make the simulation, easy to do and to, and not to get into any any significant debates over redistricting uh, the, the simulation was done assuming an extra seat in each district so, the, so that means the simulation is assuming that all of the MLAs that won under first past the post would have been the winners of the the first seats under the simulation and there would be extra candidates elected to fill those second seats the aggregate results of simulation do not change in a meaningful way uh, which is why I did not take the time to to do the the redistricting. Plus, you can have significant debates on on which districts should emerge and which ones shouldn't. So, so, so that question I, I don't have a good answer for you. And to be honest, even if I if you were to go through and merge the districts and run the simulation, uh, it'd be difficult to give a good answer because merging them slightly differently uh, might give a different different answer to which incumbents win and which ones lose. I could actually see this being very difficult to convince current MLAs to buy into since if, you know, a majority of the seats are represented by different MLAs, then a lot of current MLAs are going to lose their seats. Like, that's not a question really for you. That's just more of an observation. And, but, and this isn't really up to the politicians to decide, luckily, I guess. I think the other advantage that what you're talking about, and I think what gets missed a lot in the discussions around proportional representation, is there's this obsession that it's like, the 50% one threshold that the government has adopted for the first part of the referendum, the should we have pro uh, proportional representation or not, is trying to bias towards like new Democrats in Metro Vancouver and the island. But as I think your simulation would point out that this helps liberals get elected in those seats and it helps new Democrats get elected in the rural areas and the Greens everywhere, I guess, to better reflect what people are actually voting for. Yes, yes, I would I would agree with that. There there are people uh, across the entire province that that are underrepresented of, of all party stripes. Uh, this isn't something that just affects one party supporters; it, it does affect them all. Um, to your previous point, though, about politicians having a vested interest in the current system, I mean, of course they do. But regardless of which system is chosen, there are going to be incumbents that are, are going to see their re-election prospects 
put at risk uh, because of the change of system. Uh, each of the systems poses its own challenges to, to incumbents. Do you think this system, and it's really hard to tell with any of these until they're put into place, could result in more parties coming about? Because that's one of the, well, both criticisms and advantages, depending on your perspective, of any electoral system. I, I think it should be expected, yes. I mean, I, I personally do not uh, ex- expect the parties in Canada to splinter significantly, but I, I do expect some of the, the parties representing very loosely glued together coalitions to, to likely break apart. Uh, I mean, in, in BC, for instance, you've got uh, the Liberals uh, representing various degrees of, of conservatives and centrists. Um, I, I think it would be easy to foresee the Conservative Party doing a little bit better in, in BC uh, at the expense of the Liberal Party, uh, because under poor representation, there's no need to, to merge interests that, that don't really perfectly fit together in order to win more seats. Uh, you're, you're, you're going to win the same number of seats, whether you're together or, or separate. So, so I do think you will see a bit more party diversity in, in BC or whatever jurisdiction in Canada force representation is implemented in because you'll, you'll remove the strategic motivations that both parties and, and voters have under the system. What do you say to critics who say that this is an untested and experimental system? I, I think that's quite a silly argument, actually. To say it's unused is true. To say it's untested is false. Electoral systems at, at a fundamental level are mathematical algorithm. They're, the testing is numerical based. It's not um, it's not something that you have to throw it in a jurisdiction somewhere and see what happens in order to properly test it. So, I mean, DMP has been tested through many simulations of past Canadian elections. Uh, it's It's been tested through mathematical analysis. Uh, there, there really isn't anything untested here. Uh, and I would challenge the, the people making that argument to, to do an analysis of their own and, and, and find a flaw that has been, been missed by uh, either myself or, or the numerous other people that have gone through the details of, of this system. Uh, well, I think the counter argument to that is when you change the rules of the game, you change how the players play. Has that been taken into account in any of the simulations? It hasn't, but, it, but it, I, I don't think it should. Of course, how people vote is going to change if we change the system. But that's a different comment than saying that the system is untested. Uh, saying something that is, is untested means the person is skeptical whether it actually works, whether it fulfills its intended purpose. And, and that's just simply not true when it, when it comes to, to DMP or, frankly, any electoral system that has been, been designed and, and simulated properly. The, the question of how people will vote and what what exactly is going to change in terms of the political culture is is a different question and it is an interesting question, but I, I, I don't think is one that should, at least in terms of the systems that are being proposed for BC, should be one of, of high concern. I mean, not to belabor the point and don't, and we'll move on from this in a second, but one of the things that I've noticed in the States is there's this California's got this jungle primary system or something, which sounded, I think, potentially on paper like a good idea, the like runoff of the top two candidates of any of the parties. But then what ends up happening is you, in reality, at times, there's this like 
everyone's getting about 5% of the vote on one party if you have too many candidates running. And if the other party only has two part candidates running, they both may sneak onto the ballot with 6% of the vote. And so that kind of unintended consequences and the changes to how people play the game, as Scott was kind of saying, I think there are values to talking about that in the referendum debate. It's probably not your position to talk about it as the mathematical creator of the system, the sort of person pitching it. The how do British Columbians want to vote? Like one of the advantages of PR in theory when it's done right is it makes parties more collaborative after. And that's not something you can kind of predict mathematically, but it evolves and it's possibly a good thing. I'm not suggesting that DMP in any way will be the shit show that is the jungle primary system. But, you know, unintended consequences can happen. So the, the situation you're describing to, to me sounds more like a mathematical flaw in the system. It's something that people are able to take advantage of uh, to game the system for their benefit. And a, a good electoral system, regardless of what sort of election it is, is fairly impenetrable to such gaming techniques. And, and I would argue that that DMP has a, a very robust algorithm behind it and, and set of processes that it is not susceptible to the sort of gaming that would lead to the sorts of outcomes that you're concerned about there. Sure. And even if, you know, between all of us, we can't think of any result where it would, BC has baked into the system this do two elections and then hold another referendum where we can have this debate all over again. Yes, and, and that debate will, will be held. If, if DC gets to that point, that debate will be held with much better background knowledge of, of what it's actually like to use a PR system. Fully agreed. Can you admit any other disadvantages to DMP? Like, are there any other limitations besides what we've sort of gone over? I know the big fear is this idea of doubling the size of most districts, but if we say some of the big ones are you know, locked in place, what else might people be concerned about? So, I mean, I think whatever system we're talking about, whether it's DMP or RUPR, MMP, I, I think the better context to talk about them in is, is in terms of voter values. If a voter values a lot of choice between candidates, for instance, the, the top choice, at least if that person's an urban voter, may be RUPR. So they might see uh, the inability to rank a large number of candidates in the DMP as a disadvantage. So it, so it depends on your frame of, of reference and what, what the voter finds important to them. So for, for, for DMP, I, I, I think for the, uh, the three main assets it has, the, the, the main values that it was, it was built upon were province-wide proportionality, all local MLAs, uh, and retaining a familiar single vote ballot. Now, voters in Canada have routinely said that those are values that uh, are, are quite important to them. And, and I think the uh, consultation process in BC largely mirrored that, that sort of feedback. Uh, but that's not the preference of, of all voters. So I, I really think it depends on the frame of reference that the, the person is asking that question from. So the ballot's going to be in two parts. And the second part is the rank the uh, electoral systems. Why should everyone rank DMP at the top? I think the fundamental question that British Columbians need to answer is the first one. Uh, I, I think people need to decide if they want to give another system a try for a couple of, of elections. 
before making a final decision. The, the second question, again, really comes down to, to the values uh, that I was mentioning earlier. So if, if people think province-wide proportionality is important, if, if people want to be able to leave BC's largest rural districts as single-member districts, uh, so, so not having to increase their size in any way, but still fully including them in proportional representation. And if people want to retain the familiar voting experience of first past the post, then I think DMP would be the best choice for them in, in the upcoming referendum. Well, I think we're almost done, but I just have a couple of questions left. First, what else is happening for DMP? I know Prince Edward Island had a proportional representation referendum, and I think DMP was included there. Is it being considered elsewhere? Are you talking to other governments or places around the world trying to pitch this idea? Uh, so my, my focus is, is very much in Canada. I have, I have been contacted uh, from people outside of the country as well. But, but my primary focus, it has been and will continue to be uh, on elections in Canada. That, as you mentioned, it was considered in, in PEI. That process has somewhat been stalled, changed because of decisions made by the government there. Uh, but at, at the moment in Canada, I would say BC is the, uh, the, the primary government uh, looking at electoral reform. Um, so, of course, my, my efforts right now are on, on the BC process. Uh, and I see my, my main role in that is to help provide as, as much as possible unbiased and accurate information about uh, DMP. Um, now, in terms of, um, the, I guess, the, the broader discussion and, and how DMP fits into that, uh, I, I do think DMP has been doing very well. There's only two systems to be considered uh, in more than more than one province. Uh, that's DMP and MMP. So, I, so I, I think for how recently DMP has entered the conversation, it's been gaining quite a bit of traction and, and popularity. Uh, and I think that that's that shows that it's um, it's something that might be a good fit for what a lot of Canadians are looking for. Uh, finally, if our listeners are interested in finding out more about DMP and yourself, do you tell us where we can uh, go to find it and you know, where to find you as well? So there's a lot of good resources online for DMP. Uh, my personal site that, that I manage and, and put as, as much information as I can about the system on is dmpforcanada.com. That's dmporcanada.com. And, but you can also go to uh, Wikipedia and find uh, very good information there now. There's also a video on, on YouTube that if you search dual mode proportional uh, will come up very easily. That video, of course, is also available on the website. Uh, and, and I can be reached personally via email. Uh, my email is on the, the website and I can be found on, on Twitter as well at Sean underscore GRA. All right. Thank you so much for taking the time and fighting through your sickness to talk to us today. No, no problem. Thank you for having me. I hope this was helpful. And that has been Politros. Find links to stories we mentioned in the show notes at politros.ca. Leave us a review and let us know what you think. Support the show and get early access to our interviews at patreon.com slash politicoast. And if you have ideas for the show, feel free to send them to us. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.